Welcome to the Triclinium, a podcast named after a three-sided table used in the Lord's Supper, where you're invited to join the three of us as we think through matters of Christian faith, practice, and community. My name is Eric Burgers. I'm here with my co-hosts, Jacob Hawley and Nate Lead. Today we're going to be discussing, does God love us? Of course, just kidding. Of course he does. But does God love, <laughs> the better question is, does God love everybody? Which there is a bit of debate on the topic, which we will be diving into today. Before we go henceforth into that, my friends, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to dive into uh, this topic. As always, I look forward to our conversations. And so uh, this one is no different. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, just for those who are not able to see on the on, on the Zoom, the FaceTime th- call that we're doing right now, uh, Nate put his thumb up and the the little like filter like get, did a little animation for him, and that was exciting. That was the most exciting thing that's happened to me today. What? Oh my gosh, he just fi- got Whoa. fireworks! Oh my gosh, I have fireworks. Um, what do you know? I'm doing good. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I found out that I have uh, a hernia, and so I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And uh, so, you know, you could say I've got hernia on the brain uh, <laughs> and hernia in my heart. Not like an actual hernia, but like it's just in my heart. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm well, fine. Well, it's hold, it's hold not on. a so, real deal. Well, what, what is a hernia? Like, like Oh, dude, it's crazy. So, so you're... You you both have abs. You've uh, you won't, you've heard of abs before. Not anymore. Um, I don't. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so abs are an inspirational got, thing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So abs. Um, your abdominal muscles are in front of your intestines. So, like when you flex your abs, your it's not your intestines that are <laughs> forming those shapes. It's your abdominal muscles. Well, so this crazy thing can happen where normally muscle seals in all around your your intestines. But if you tear the lining in your abs somewhere, uh, the muscle lining, then just like a little bit of intestine can poke through and like touch your... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Nate Nate made a face that I'm afraid... Like, it looks like an emoji. Um, It's terrifying. So... I just have this little, like, lump on my abdomen, and I am like, my gosh, that's my spaghetti, my internal my spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs> my spaghetti. My uh, It's crazy to think that you just have this snake inside of you, this, like, long spaghetti-like snake that, that processes your food. You don't think about that very much until it comes <laughs> out. <laughs> I try not to. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy how bad my idea of what a hernia was <laughs> in my mind was until I heard you just say that because what did you I, had a, I had a friend when I was a kid, he had a hernia. We were like eight years old or something like that. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, bro, like basically your belly button just pokes out way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of held by that until now. That's a, it's a type of, that's a type of hernia. It can happen where like the where your abdominal lining is a little bit weak right in front of your belly button so like kids will get that where like yeah. their, their belly button protrudes uh, i was like but yeah no dang. it's not that i was like dang bro you got diagnosed with bad belly button <laughs> <laughs> dude it's crazy to think about like there are some people i've i've gone on the 
internet rabbit trail with this one. And, uh, oh man, there's some pictures. People, like, there are some people who, like, they'll get, like, a, a really big tear in their, in their muscle lining. And, like, they look like they're pregnant really low, but they're pregnant with their intestines. Oof. It's just, like, hanging out of them. It's craziness. Oh, it's wild. We're gonna make Nate um, faint. Let's get into so I know. Does God, I was talking, does God that love is people? Crazy. I know. I was talking pregnancy. to my nursing friend, and he's like, you don't have to worry about it. It's like, it's, it's not like an emergency situation unless it, like, gets cut off so that it's, like, getting pinched or something. Um... So the things you want to look out for, he's like, if it gets pinched, right, then you then you can like lose blood supply to the area. That's bad. Also, if it gets bigger than your fist, then go in. So, which means Jeez. there are people with hernias that are a little bit smaller than their fist, and they just live life like that. Uh, Isn't that crazy? So back to I the had topic. No idea what a hernia was. Well, well, <laughs> back to the topic. I'm pretty sure God does, doesn't love yeah. me because I have a hernia does, and my intestines does, are falling out. Does God love people who have intestine pregnancy? Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that is tune shocking. in next week. So, yeah, it's so, pretty bad. Well, can uh, you have I a hernia at the same time as pregnancy? <gasps> oh, oftentimes when women are giving birth, they'll get hernias because of the whoa pre- mm-hmm. double pregnancy. Yeah, double, double pregnancy all the way. What does it mean? I, I think that's just twins, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But one of them's your intestines. Intestine, yeah. maybe. So I, I don't do well with medical speak. I, I, I don't know what when that shift happened, but it, Nate just it, passes out. Like anytime Lauren talks about, anytime my wife talks about like pregnancy or you know the things that happen. Or even when she's just talking about like I don't know, uh, like we, like we'll be watching TikTok together, and somebody will come on and tell their crazy medical story, like I will lose feeling in my knees, and I like won't be able to yeah. stand. Oh, and uh, it's gotten well, I'm really glad bad you're down. over the last couple of years. And, and I'm assu- I think it started when I. I'm when assuming I, you guys I, want I, kids, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, the no. delivery room is going to be tough. Lauren is so worried about me in the delivery room. And I, I'm like, I'm going to be fine. Trust me. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna make it. I'm going to be there the whole time. Lauren's like, no, you're not. Like, we're going to need a nurse for you. Like, she, <laughs> like she's not looking forward to that part. So. But I'll I'm like, go out I'll into the fine. lobby and smoke a cigar Nate, like you're supposed to. Nate, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Your, your testimony's not adding up here <laughs> to yeah. your I'm yeah. going to be fine claims. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no. no, I I agree with you, but I am uh it's just it's just mind over matter, right? Like you got to you got to yeah. fight through it, but like I so a couple years ago I was giving blood and uh I was sitting down in the in the mobile like blood donation the and blood uh, car. Yeah, I I had given blood before. I I was on Accutane as a teenager uh, mm-hmm. in high school and so I I would go and I would get monthly blood draws. And I would watch them draw the blood out. You know, I, I would drive myself home. I was fine. And I don't know what it was about this time that I was giving blood. It was actually at the church blood drive that I helped organize. So that was a bad look uh, <laughs> on my part. And Ouch. I'm there. I'm giving blood. And I'm, I don't want to blame Lauren. But I think that <laughs> she had a, a big part to do with it. So, sweetheart, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, but she doesn't listen, so we're fine. Um, I... <laughs> I was giving blood, and Lauren was giving blood uh, right in front of me, and they stagger the bed, so I was a little bit behind her. And she's giving blood. I can see the, the blood flowing out of her, and that already, I was like, wow, that's that's pretty graphic. 
And she <laughs> lo- she turns around and she looks at my bag and she says, quote, wow, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> And I, that was the moment I was like, really? I was like, I started getting worried and I was, I started getting anxious and I looked down at my bag and I was like, man, this is a lot of blood. And then the, oh, man. the nurse walked by and she was like, she paused, looked at me and then looked up front of the RV and said, Hey, we need to get him a Gatorade. He, he doesn't look too good. And like he said that she said that in front of me and I was like, that's not good. And so they gave me a Gatorade and I, I was drinking. I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, this is delicious. Yeah, very, very good Gatorade. And uh, then I woke up and I was like, what happened? Uh, And there were two nurses standing over me and they had, uh, they they were saying, Nate, Nate, Nate. No, no. And I I was like, what? Like, uh, you know, I was obviously like, what? You know, Uh, but they were like, okay, he's fine. You know, and I, I, they disperse and Lauren looks back at me and she's petrified she's stuck there because there's a needle in her arm and she, <laughs> she you see like, the needle you pass out again <laughs> yeah i was like whoa but i had spilled my gatorade and it like yeah. ran down the whole side of the of the rv that we were in oh, and no. i was like i am so sorry for spilling the my gatorade bus. i felt so bad and uh the nurse came by and she was like oh what did uh you know what'd you eat for breakfast and i was like you know i had a normal breakfast and she was like next time you come in you should have like a steak you know something really hearty and like big so that you don't you know your blood pressure is normal and and lauren says without turning around she says he's not coming back (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny oh my gosh that's so funny so that was my (laughs) my only time giving uh uh more blood than you know a, a blood draws amount so after that i've just been uncomfortable with any medical speak so so you talking about tearing yeah. the lining in your abdominals? I mean, that's as uh, yeah. I'm the well, same way, Nate. As soon as I saw that there was a lump in my abdomen, I laid down in my bathroom for like probably like three or four minutes, trying to regain my composure because I felt like I was about <laughs> to pass out. So yes, I understand deeply what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm going to pass out anytime I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. So bro. anyway, not me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Eric, I rip apart Eric goes to hospitals for fun. I rip yeah. apart deers for fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's See, what I, I need to do. Go kill some animals. I know. <laughs> I, I haven't done that, but um I mean I also imagine that the delivery room changes you. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> yeah, that you, you have well, to your one, you come to terms with things. <laughs> your one hope, Nate, is that your awe for the experience overtakes your medical suffering yeah <laughs> i'm like there's a baby yeah, coming out of you right now that's amazing you know and then i'll yeah. pass out afterwards and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the uh yeah it's hard to say the delivery room there's there's not quite an experience like it so you'll you'll just have to take Oof. it as it comes i'm not Guys kidding i've seen that i sound like they've gone through war <laughs> dude i've not i'm not kidding there's like no other experience that I would say was like out of body, but that one was like nearly out of body, <laughs> like Dang, if, man. if not like totally, just like the world caved in moment. It was crazy. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. who needs hard drugs when you can have a baby? <laughs> it was yeah. pretty, it was pretty crazy. Bro just hangs out in the in the delivery room for every pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, this is that. The only way that I sense the divine. I'm like, I'm like even, ner- <laughs> I'm like nervous to even say that because 
I don't want you guys to like get there someday and just be like, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, <laughs> what was Eric talking I about? I guarantee you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guarantee you, Nate will not be like, that's it. That was all. No. I want I, my money back. Yeah. I, I'm going to wake up and be like, that was great. Thank goodness. You know. All right. Let's, let's in, get to the topic, boys. <laughs> I Can I tell my, one more story? I don't yeah. have time for the story. I uh, got to tell you one more story. And I don't tell a lot of people this story, but it's a it was it's terrible. I was in the library with a friend of mine who was a nursing major, and she was just super into like the body and anatomy. And like you know, if you get if you make friends with nursing majors, they'll do this kind of stuff. They love to just like look at dismembered carcasses, and that's just like their pastime. I don't get it. It's weird. Um, but I was sitting on the floor as doing homework, and she was like hey, come here, I want to show you something. And I was like, okay. And I went and I sat next to her on this bench. And she pulls up a video of a full-blown birth. Like, and it's like a dead-angle shot of what's happening. And I'm sitting there, and I'm we're in the library. Well, it's not like we're in a private room. Like, this is in front of, like, you know, anybody walking by could have... I was like... I, I I was watching and I was like I'm I'm really hoping that something happens pretty soon here because I don't want to keep watching this this feels wrong and I mean the video was like ten minutes and she just like I was like when is this gonna end like what do you want to show me and I eventually just had to get up and walk away like I was like this is y- yeah you can only look at that for so long uh, yeah Jeez. so I mean I imagine even on that- the that you don't have to have that that angle right eric like you know is that typical no there should be only one person besides god who has that (laughs) angle and that is the doctor yeah uh i don't know i'm not gonna lie boys i watched of course (laughs) like (laughs) i wasn't gonna not watch my son's birth like (laughs) well at least you're her husband yeah like right i just was watching some random pregnant woman give birth and I didn't want it. It was bad. The whole time was bad. Facts. So can't, I can't imagine signing that waiver. Can we record this? No. Yeah, yeah. Can we no. show this to everyone online? Yeah. Millions Golly. of people will see this birth. It's like not yeah. only you, but now your child is scarred with that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I seen. Speaking you of children, oh, I got yeah. a child that needs to go to bed here pretty soon. Let's do the topic. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so our topic for today is <laughs> does god love everyone which sounds like the most absurd question to ask until you get into the details of it and then there's there may be an argument right so mm-hmm. so like i don't know let's start with this um what passages come to mind in order to address the topic like right off the bat what's coming to your mind for does god love everyone mm-hmm. That's a great question. Well, the first one that I think, if you're going to say uh, God does love everyone, that will probably come to most people's mind is John three sixteen. I would imagine. Yes. Yes. It's immediately going to come for God so loved the world that He gave His the world that He gave His only mm-hmm. Son. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably Jacob and I might <laughs> interpret the world in that in that uh text a little differently than than some people may but yeah uh, i don't um i i interpret it as the world oh interesting full world <clears throat> well uh but anyways yeah that one that one comes to mind first i don't want to get on to all that so yeah <clears throat> nate what about you 
I was thinking about John 3.16 as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the uh, most common sense one to come to mind. Probably. I mean, I can't... Uh, there's not another one that comes immediately to my mind. Um, another one that... And I'm going to have to try to find it here. Um, is in 1 John when... I mean, it's the common one that's quoted. It's like... Uh, oh, man. Where is it? It's, uh, it's where he basically says, God is love, right? Um, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I think it's something close to that. Um, okay, it's John, 1 John chapter 4, so let me find it here. Um, uh, this is great doing, this is great audio listening right now. Um, <laughs> just, just well, being in silence. Oh, yeah. Hopefully uh, somebody 16. is just super knowledgeable on their scripture and is yelling at us right now. You know? Yeah. It's this. I hope you were yelling at us. If you weren't yelling at us, then you need to get better at your scripture reading. <laughs> um, verse 16, <laughs> we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Yeah. I think there's another place, too. We, um... I'm down to kind of, hold on, just get into how people are going to spin this and kind of make a distinction and what it means that God loves everyone. I think probably where it comes into play and probably what what might be in your guys' mind is, well, what about hell? Right. What about eternal eternal punishment? Mm -hmm. Does God love those people? Like that he yeah, that, sentenced that to... to the um to, to eternal destruction i mean i'm reading right now second thessalonians one says in verse nine says right they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his might so mm. <clears throat> um as, that's even stronger if you consider the passage in in first john that i well, i think it's first john what jacob was talking about if god is love and they're away from the presence of the lord what does that mean mm. <clears throat> you know um yeah yeah so right how can those two things be true at once that, that god loves everyone and yet there are people that are without love yeah in hell yeah. and then mm -hmm. furthermore just to add even more on top of it <clears throat> just in case you know someone might be thinking that you know this is just a silly question to ask that people don't actually think about this question in certain types of ways <clears throat> i um I've listened to people online, specifically kind of in the Reformed camp at the moment, um, mm. who have videos that express <clears throat> that God doesn't have universal fatherhood over people, and they kind of use that as leverage. Um, <clears throat> I, we can get into what that means from their perspective mm. if, you, if you guys so mm -hmm. desire, but um, they use that kind of as leverage to say that uh, you know, maybe God loves people in some like broad, like vague form, uh, in some sense, but in another sense, like when, when they're cut off from God, like that's it, no love, <laughs> no nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there are people out there who express these types of ideas. It is very relevant, um, for, for at least some people. So I think that's why it's important to discuss it for me, but yeah. Yeah. Um so I mean a, a passage that's going to that's going to come up 
uh, I think, is Malachi uh, 1, 2 through 3, which is where he, he basically says, uh, um, was Esau Jacob's, it was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Um, so I think that's like another question in all of this is that in, in that context, is it possible for God to hate? I mean, obviously it seems that there's, there's something being, uh, some ability for him to hate, but what, how does that, how does that pair with, um, our understanding of what it means for God to be love, right? Does that mean he denies his very existence by hating, right? How, how is it possible for God to hate? Yeah. Um, I don't know of many passages that translate <clears throat> different words as hate anymore. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I've, I haven't seen hate very much anymore in, in the scriptures. I see words more like abhor or like um, is, much better. is angry or something like that. Yeah, okay, you could yeah. say that's, that's um, worse in some sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, so... But my first initial thoughts to to that as well is that for somebody who kind of takes that and says that God is God can't conceivably hate, I think like is confusing the like total majesty and otherness of God with human categories of hate. Mm. So like mm. when we read in the Old Testament, um I'm forgetting. It's in the Psalms, I believe, but it says like God abhors the bloodthirsty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They're going to say, there it is. You know, God hates people. God hates, uh, murderers. Mm-hmm. You're, you're done for. There's nothing else you can say. Um, mm-hmm. in my mind, like ignores the, the vast majority of scripture that talk about God's goodness and mercy as a mm. eternal characteristic that he, he possesses, uh, as a part of his character. So when, when the scriptures speak about God hating something or God hating uh, mm-hmm. particular individuals who indulge in certain practices, uh, he does so in an entirely all-encompassing perfect hatred that isn't in the same category as human hatred because we hate with sinful hate. God doesn't hate mm. with, a, with a sinful hate. He hates righteously. He abhors in total lockstep with his perfect justice. So when, when God abhors something, he abhors what truly is wrong in the world and he does so with perfection. But whereas Mm. we as fallible finite creatures don't have that ability to, to hate things with, with infallible type of knowledge as to the situation. So, Mm. um, yeah, I don't want to ramble too much, but uh, on the topic of, of hatred, like can God hate something? That's that's where I'm at with the whole thing. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I would say whatever it means to hate does not does not, and this is wild because I think humans don't know how to separate these two, um, or to unify them. Um, but I I think that you can somehow both love and hate somebody that love that hate does not preclude love um yeah and i was I think, gonna say that they're not opposites of each other right yeah exactly i think that love is a, it's very heart commitment to someone and i think hate 
is distaste for them. Um, would you guys disagree with that at all? Like, if I hate something, I I think in general that's that's usually um, like saying it it goes against what I think is good, right? Um, yeah, I I've defined love. I I guess maybe it's because I'm more pragmatic and and. Uh, uh, have a tendency to go towards like how do I actually do this so I, I've mm-hmm, mm-hmm. heard love and have uh, defined love myself as like um, it's to will the good of the other so it's it's uh, seeking desiring working for the goodness that's Thomas and, Aquinas yeah yeah and um, so that so uh, see- seeking the good for other people uh, is to love somebody and uh i don't think hating is seeking the like like i hate and love are not opposites because i don't think the definition of hate is to seek the destruction of the other you know i, I don't think that's hate that's more like mm. just like revenge or uh i don't know it, but it's not the opposite of love i i, I think that i think distaste is a great definition uh, or, or a great uh, synonym for it because it's mm-hmm. something about what you what you hate goes against something in you whether that's mm-hmm. a principle a belief um uh, a desire for your you know for your life or mm. uh or just a desire in general you know if, if something goes against that you you could hate that thing because of what it what it does so yeah i i think that that's mm. accurate i think distaste is a good way to uh say th- that I think I've heard it said before. I might totally get this wrong on the on the principle of of this phrase, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard it said before that the opposite of love isn't hate; it's apathy. Yeah, right. <clears throat> which is yeah, lack lack of interest is the. I feel like Google we talked about that on a there. previous episode. You might have said that, Nate. I feel like you might have said that. I feel like I remember. I remember we talked close uh, to that. We re- I remember us talking about this topic like a, for a few minutes before one of our podcasts started. Mm. So maybe that's when you're thinking of. Maybe, um, yeah. But I do remember that being said too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but right, indifference is another way of saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, so okay, so I think that covers a bit what we're thinking about hate. But so that covers kind of more the negative side of things. But like. I want to think more positively about love, like especially in light of hell, which is where I think this is kind of going to have to go. Yeah. Um, and I think we've kind of generally expressed our opinions on this before, but mm-hmm. um, especially in light of that passage in Second Thessalonians, that's kind of got me thinking right now. Um, mm. People often describe hell as a, as a separation from God. C.S. Lewis famously says that uh hell is locked from the inside to kind Mm -hmm. of paint the picture that like you know here's the line and here's Mm -hmm. us now all on our own completely null and void of god um in in our eternal punishment and here's god over here uh in his little bubble over there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that kind of how you guys view it um i have my own thoughts about it or like how how do we view God's love for humanity in light of an eternal punishment that is present uh, for those 
who are unrepentant in sin and, and die in their unrepentance? Well, I think a, mm-hmm. a good question, just because right now we're kind of discussing love versus hate. Um, I, I wouldn't say, and so I'm curious, I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys. Uh, is hell for people that God hates? Mm-hmm. That's a hard question. It is a hard question. Um, the answer is probably yes and no, <laughs> which I find to be the which I find to be the answer, which I find to be the answer for a lot of theological questions, <laughs> like yeah, a lot, yeah. because there's rarely ever is there clear cut answers like with just it's this and not this in in scripture. Yeah. There's because life doesn't work that way, so. Right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, and, and I think that we can make, I think that all three of us can come up with uh, <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands, of different situations where uh, one one instance would be true and the other instance would be true. You know, like it because it, it's not as clear cut as uh, yes and no, black and white. But I think that my mm-hmm. initial reaction, um, and and maybe I'll amend this later, but I think my initial reaction would be no. I don't think that hell is a place for haters. Uh, well, not haters, but for, for people that God hates. Um, mm. I think that, I think, and uh, everything that I've read and studied so far um, leads me to think that hell is, um, I mean, it's like Eric said, it, locked from the inside. I think that hell is a separation from God that is... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be careful with my words just because I, I, I want to be clear, but I don't want to step in, um, uh, step in the blood. I, I will, I'll say this. Go ahead. I, I think that, um, I actually have, I, I'm suspicious of C.S. Lewis's approach to, to hell. Um, yeah, I've heard because some people, he, he I won't inter- sorry, Jacob, I won't interrupt you. No, you're, you're good. So, I, I think... I think what I get hesitant about is that it seems from the times that Jesus describes whatever that that place of condemnation will be, that there will be gnashing of teeth, and that means anger. Like, there will be outrage. There will be, like, uh, an upsetness about being cast out into outer darkness, about not being able to get into the party, right? Like, there's, there's people that pound on the door. Um, and the host comes and says, I don't know you, right? So they, I don't think it's like, oh, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. I think it's like, I think it's like they, they realized what it was and they wanted in. And God explicitly doesn't let them in. And I think that that's uh, like a tough truth to swallow. I understand why we would want to, to say it's, you know, close from the, from the, inside because then then it's my choice to close it right like it's not god just you know locking out those who want to be there um but you know i i think that in the end people will be disappointed um by the 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 by the decision to put them in hell i mean i i think that i think that's true but i think that that might be i mean at the least, maybe half of the scenario, because surely there, I, I, I think you would agree uh, that surely there are people that have heard the gospel and have chosen against it, 
And so in that in that way, maybe C.S. Lewis's uh, idea could be could be apt. Yeah, and, and and even in the parable, right? There's those that are invited to the party, and they, um, they they give other excuses or, or value other things above the party, and so they go somewhere else, right? So I guess maybe that there could be, but I think when Christ is revealed, because I think there will be a point where everybody comes to the understanding that Jesus Christ really is Lord. And yeah. and and maybe there are still some that are like, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll kick it in the other place. But yeah. uh, I don't know, I... I think it would be highly unlikely, especially once they realize who Jesus really is. Like, I think there will be an opening of eyes to who he really and truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so here's a question for you guys along these same lines. If we, if we say that there is a hell, and that this hell is away from the presence of God, then where does it exist? Like, where is, where is the place that is uh, outside of God's presence? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. I I think it depends on how you interpret the phraseology in sure. in that text. Does um, them does those who are suffering punishment and eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord mean that God has is somehow entirely absent from that realm, like somehow? Uh, God is like is no longer in control of this realm in in some mm-hmm. sense. Like it's outside of His sovereignty in some space that exists extra extra God. I guess you could say. Right. How does it exist at all? Yeah. If it's away from God. Yeah. I, I was so, just going to yeah. pose that question: is if a place could even exist without yeah. God's presence? The the classic way that I've seen it f- uh, formulated is they'll ask the question: Is God present in hell? <laughs> Um, mm. yeah. and at the end of the day, I like, you guys can disagree with me. I, I think the answer has to be yes. In some sense, like eternality is held up by the very person of God. Like there is, there is no time, space, matter. There is no realm. There is no, um, what's dimension that is somehow outside of the sovereignty of God. Like mm-hmm. any realm is consistently being sustained by the will of god there's nothing that escapes his will at the end of the day um that that's it that's entirely clear like especially in the old testament isaiah in particular like chapters i think it's like 40 through 49 talking about Mm -hmm. god's god's sovereignty there's there's nothing that escapes the will of the lord his will will be done and that includes his eternal will for both uh the saints and and the damned at the end of the day so yeah i i would say in like in some sense yeah god is present in hell because he is the one who is sustaining that judgment and that torment that's described in the new testament um and Let, let let me clarify real quick um just just to be crystal clear so yeah is the idea that 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 God is our tormentor in hell. Yeah, or, let me or find just, passage. Just, Dang. Just even because in my mind I was like, yeah, I I think that even you know I I think people pe- people who exist in hell are 
uh, keenly aware of the presence of God. Uh, right. Because, uh, you know, I mean, in our earlier definition or in C.S. Lewis's example, they, they are aware of his, uh, um, what's it called? They are aware that he's not there, you know? Like they, right. They, uh, By negation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I think Matthew so 10, I, 10, 28 like comes, or, to, comes to mind okay. for me. Like, and I'm, I'll be bold and I'll say, I, I feel like the answer has to be yes, that God is the one. Like, I know torment is a hard word to understand, especially like from our human perspective, because I think it's it's hard to hear that word torment and then imagine God doing it in complete righteousness and perfection on his part. Because we hear yeah. torment and we think, we kind of map on our human emotions and persona to say that like it's somehow being done in an unjust sort of way. So mm. keeping in mind the character of God and then reading Matthew ten twenty eight to me, it says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So the active mm-hmm. destruction is, is on the part of God. in in that text, I, I would think, am, am I yeah. missing anything? I, so I'll, I'll say this. This has been a question for me for a bit, like, or, or maybe a possible way of thinking about it that allows there to be the presence of God and still allows there to be um, hell as we've come to understand it. Um, God is often referred to as a consuming fire. Um, and I think... So especially in Revelation where it talks about um, the lake of fire, yeah. right? A, 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 a location which shows up, I don't think, anywhere else in the Bible. Like there's no other place where it talks about the lake of fire as far right. as I yeah. imagine. Um, not that I can think of. Yeah, it says like hell so of this, fire in Matthew, but I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, which is probably Gehenna of fire because yeah. most of the time it's Gehenna yeah, right, yeah. in the Gospels. So. Um, and Gehenna was an actual place, right? It was right, a it was right. a valley in in Valley of Hinnom where they would burn garbage. Um, so here's the question that that comes to mind: is could it be that you know all things are subsumed into God in the end, and the very presence of those who oppose God m- makes it the experience of of destruction, of t- of torment, of this like this fiery um you know it's it's the you could almost say and this is this would be maybe maybe this is too far but you you tell me what you think could it be that it's it's precisely the love of god burning them Mm -hmm. it could be that it is the love of god itself i was gonna say righteousness but yeah could be the righteousness but i think the yeah the righteousness is subsumed in the love the love wants what's good yeah and and so it's the rejection of all that's evil in, in this person. Um, and it, insofar as somebody is, uh, let's say, well, we would say those who do not believe have no seed of, mm-hmm. of Christ in them. And if, the, if God alone is good, then what, what remains of, of a person if they do not believe is, I mean, it's harsh to say, 
but we would say it is most properly just evil. It's corruption, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I'm getting a little too Calvinist here. But I would say perhaps it's, it's explicitly the love of God burning that is the, the, the fires of hell. It's the, you know, it's that which, every, it's the sun that shines on the, on the righteous in the city of, in the city of God, right? The, the, the heavenly Zion. Um, that same glory that shines on them is the love that burns against or, or that rejects um, those who, uh, the, 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 the way of being that those who have rejected him have chosen for themselves. Yeah. Um, what do you have guys you, think of that? Have you guys heard of this phenomenon? Uh, I heard about it in Portland, uh, and it was an issue that they were facing with um, with homeless people. But it it got to the like, so uh, homeless folks out on the street they would get so cold uh, in the winter that their bodies would actually end up thinking that they were warm, and so they would end up taking off their layers. Uh, because they thought that they were hot, um, but oh. you know it's actually really cold, uh, and so then they, they, en they ended up passing because of that. But um, but that that's what came to my mind when you were saying that. You know, it's like a it's like a cold so hot that it actually warms you somehow. You know, like it's not mm. actually warming you, but it gives you mm. it's, it like tricks your body into thinking that you're warming. I, I don't know why that came to my mind, but that's or, or yeah, it's 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 sensing. Uh, you could say it's sensing reality in a way that is not actually true to reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's right. the torment for you, right? It's it's not that God is actually tormenting anybody, but that he is embracing all things, right? Because Paul talks about God being all in all in the end, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's some way in which God does, um, you know, assume being in all things, I would say. Um, that 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 unification is is complete mm. with God, yeah. But then, yeah, I would say for those who are are wicked, that doesn't feel good because they they've believed the lie, right? They they're holding on to this lie that their um, that their own way is the good way, yeah. And so it burns, right? It it like just destroys them. Yeah, I wanna. I don't know if this is even a shift, but I want to kind of move the focus a little bit to, because I'm sitting here thinking, like, for many, many people, hell, the idea of hell is probably one of the hardest things to swallow in, in the Christian faith. Uh, yeah. Particularly, Absolutely. I, I think you guys would agree, but I, I view hell, despite the claims of, of some folks that it is in fact an internal place of judgment it's i'm not an annihilationist i don't think that people will be annihilated at some point in time um maybe that's another topic but regardless i want to think kind of practically about it because what we're saying at the end of the day is just hard for some people to swallow um <laughs> regardless because of of the practical outplaying of what it means what well what will happen in the Christian view when we move on from this life to some people. Um, yeah. And I just, I kind of want to be clear about what I, what I mean. And then what I, I think you guys are kind of on the same step as me. Um, when we're talking about the idea of hell, number one is that, um, 
I am far more committed to the goodness, the purity, the the majesty of God uh, so much that I I personally am just I'm not going to question God's character because I think uh, he is worthy to not be questioned and he's proven he's revealed himself to be spotless as he claims to be. Um, so I, I'm not going to the problem with when we come to this and as hard as it is to to ask questions like or to say things like God is unjust for for eternally uh, judging people or to put people in hell for an eternity um, for a finite period of time where they committed sins. And at the end of the day, kind of where I'm at with the whole thing is if, if we're going to be uncomfortable or to make statements such as that, such as that, like in all honesty, what's happening there when, when we start to question the character of God and his actions towards human beings and his judgments towards human beings, we have to be very, very careful that we're not substituting ourselves into the place of his judgment seat um, that he rightfully mm-hmm. and he alone stands upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe everything that scripture has to say that God is just first and foremost, that he loves people as we're talking about here, that he wants the good for every human being. Um, I believe as second Peter says, and that he's going to do right at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not willing to question the character of God because I've bought into that idea personally. And at the end of the day, the, somebody is going to make certain value judgments, whether it's us or we allow it to be God. And so I, I just w- kind of want to point that out because I know how hard this can be to, to, to swallow. But when we're facing the topic of hell, it's going to either be I am right about eternal destinations for people or God is right about his stance on eternal, eternal justifications for people. Um, and I recognize that is really, that's really tough to wrestle with. I, I don't want to over overstate my case here, but um, I just want to say that because I, I, I want to recognize that this is not an easy conversation for a lot of people at the end mm. of the day. So, Hmm. yeah um so i've thought a lot about hell recently Mm. um and what it has to say to god's love and i would say i'm very much in step with that um i would say hmm i talk with parents and just Christians in general, but I I talk with parents and I hear the concern in parents' voice when they think about their child walking away from God and ending up in hell. And whether or not they believe in free will, that is a tough pill to swallow. Right. Um, And so here's what I've come to believe. I think we ought to let our, our belief in God's love guide the conversation 
more than we let our the specifics of what we believe hell is to guide the conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't. I still. I still believe in hell, but I would say I think that whatever hell is, it has to be the fullness of God's love for that person, because I think the uh, is it man. It's either first or second Timothy. Um, Paul writes, you know, he, he is he is faithful when we are faithful because when, when we are faithless, yeah. faithless because we he cannot deny himself. I think it's just another instance of this kind of notion of I think if God were to do something unloving, it would be to deny himself. Mm-hmm. I think his very being would be called into question, the ground of his being. Now, does his love look exactly like what I think his love should look like, or what I think human lo- love looks like? Uh, absolutely not. Um, and the way that you can tell that is the amount of suffering that's allowed in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a lot of suffering that we, as humans, would be like, no, we're not going to allow for it. And yet God sees uh, a, a, a sacred purpose in it all, or um, he uses it for his, for his own... Um, for the for the for the love of his his people, mm-hmm. um, but I would say. I believe that God loves, equally, those who are in heaven in the final days and those who are in judgment, um, eternal judgment, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think that. It's kind of a mystery, how all that works. Yeah. One that will not be a mystery forever. I believe we will see and know fully, but right now we see in part. Yeah. And this is part of our trust, is that God loves people more than we do, and that he's not partial. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, let me pull it up real quick so I know that I'm not misquoting it. Um, what you said, Jacob, made me think of, you essentially quoted Romans eight twenty eight. You didn't say it, but you, you said that. Um, God works together. Um, oh per- yeah, uh, good purposes at, at the end of the day. What's always stuck out to me, uh, like with that passage, is the tail end of it, where it says, um, "We know." I'll just read the whole thing. It says, "We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose." It mm-hmm. like gives a very specific specification of who god is working together his eternal purpose his eternal good for and Mm. it seems to be saying that he's working it together for those who love him who are his his people yeah and yeah that if there's anything that's kind of like left a stick in my thoughts like i'll Mm. I'll just here's here's kind of like the 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 kind of dilemma I, i'm in in my thoughts with this passage in, in specific is like and where i think some people start to draw into this question of like does god love everybody is like well is it that god doesn't love those who he's working together the good and and those who don't love him or is there mm-hmm. like different categories of love for different people or like and i think i probably lean more towards in that latter way of thinking because that's kind of in step with what we've been saying is that you know god loves all people it just looks different and it kind of defies our expectations at the end of the day because we're saying that god 
even those who end up in judgment, God loved them in full glory for their situation and for their circumstance. And Mm -hmm. he loves uh, those who belong to him in, in a different type of way because they loved him at they loved him back you know so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. am i kind of is that making yeah, sense to you guys it's tough i i would say that is it's a it's a weird way to put it um i do think god works all things towards the good of those who love him called according to his purpose i don't think that necessarily means that he doesn't love those who who um do not love him back mm-hmm. i think actually um the fact that we were that we were enemies of God before we were saved tells us that he did love us before mm. we loved him. Um, and even in spite of us not loving him. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact, and the idea of God willing that all come to the knowledge of his son, that, that he wills all to be saved. That's also something that he loves the world, right? I mean, there, there's very, um, let's say universal scope to God's love. Uh, and so I would just say where, where the, where the question marks come around God's love is mostly to do with where we see God choosing something for someone else that doesn't seem good to us, right? Hell doesn't seem good to us. Mm -hmm. And so we wonder, does he really will the love of all? Uh, I mean, sorry, will will the good of all? Um, Does he really love all people? But I would say our good obviously looks different from God's good. Because Jesus says God alone is good, and we go around in life saying that all kinds of people and things are good. So obviously we're off, right? Um, in our in our judgments. Yeah. So I would say I I trust that God loves all, that He wills the good of all, mm-hmm. and even if that does look like um, some go- remaining in judgment and some passing through mercy, um, I I trust that God loves mm-hmm. at the very heart of it all. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you. Yeah. The question on my mind right now, just as we're kind of wrapping up, and I think that kind of summarizes what we're talking about, maybe. Um, can hell be an act of love? I think it's not just that it can be, it is. I think that's kind of what we're saying at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I think so too. I mean, the, this has been a really enriching conversation. Um, one that's kind of helped me think, think through hell a little bit differently because, you know, walking into this, I think, I, I try to, I, I try to think about things in black and white. And so in my mind, heaven is a place where evil doesn't exist. Hell is a place where good doesn't exist. And earth is kind of in, in between where we see both good and evil. Um, and it's kind of interesting in, uh, both you guys have just spoke to the like spoken to the fact that there isn't a realm without God. Um, God is love. That all all these realms, you know, these kind of different um, these areas that we think about, they're they're owned and invaded by God. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the um, I'm trying to think about like like a like a room without darkness. You know. Like the, mm. the, the light can't be overcome by the darkness. Um, mm. And uh, th- yeah, it, I, I think that that question at the, at the end that I just asked, you know, it, is hell an act of love? 
I, I would say yes, definitely. You know, e- even like, I mean, the, the first example that comes to my mind is like a, like a parent that disciplines a child, you know, it's like for, for your own good, because we love you, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to do this or take away something or, uh, punish you in some way, you know, that, that, um, you know, it's not, it, it's not out of evil. It doesn't have malintent. Um, it's, it's out of love. Out of love, both for you know, it, for you and for maybe somebody that you wronged, you know, because I've been thinking about justice a lot recently, and it's like hmm. if if we choose to have mercy on criminals, then we choose to not have mercy on the victims, you know, perpetrator versus victim. So, hmm. um, which is an interesting idea, but you know, so it's like the, uh, a loving thing to do for the victim is to punish the criminal. Um, but it's also a loving thing to punish the criminal because we don't want them to continue acting like that for the people, for the people of the community, but also, you know, so that that person may be reformed, you know, may, may come to their senses and not continue acting that way, um, for their own sake, because they, they, not only do they hurt other people, but they also hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it's a beautiful idea. You know, I, I feel so encouraged and, um, so so filled with awe you know for our lord yes um, just as, you know it's like i don't know it's so cool because i feel like the narrative for so long has just been like hell is a you know obviously you want to avoid hell you know it's like i don't know well that, that's the thing is that for so long i guess i've thought that hell is just a place where you don't you don't get to be with god at all you know not, not that i'm wanting to be in hell um but mm-hmm. that that hell isn't absent from God. Maybe uh, you're not, you're not in the, the fullness that, of his glory in hell. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but you're not, um, you're not as absent as we've, uh, made it out to be, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you mind if I read a passage kind of to close us out or do you guys want to have anything else to say real quick? Um, I, I'll just, I'll just say this. We can try to an- analogize and use metaphors to to cu- to find some sort of like latching point for this, so that it doesn't yeah. feel so dissonant. Um, I think that's part of the mystery, and I think that that's where, like, in the same way that I would say God's sovereignty um, over and against our free will is something where like we can try to analogize it but nothing quite feels like it fits right we can talk about the potter and the clay or we can talk about right. um you know like the 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 author and the and the play we can we could talk about all these things but it at the end of the day there is this weird dissonance that happens and it doesn't quite fit our minds right and that doesn't mean it's not true or it doesn't mean that um you know we're we're dismissing it but i think with this one in particular, I think we have to be resigned to mystery a little bit on yeah. this and allow for, in the same way that we talk about the Trinity, like we're not trying to picture it because we know that picturing it leads us to weird and, and aberrant, um, corrupt, like wrong images, right? Yeah. So we just resign to the to the threeness and the oneness both being true and, and we move on. And I think yeah. it's the same. J.I. Packer calls it it. Well, I don't think it's just him. It's just an academic term, I think. But an antinomy is what he calls mm. it. it. Sounds like anemone, but but yeah. an, 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 uh, an, 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 antinomy. Antimony, yes, is the word. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas 
two things seem logically contradictory, but there's um, you can cohesively make sense that both can exist at one time without uh, actually contradicting one another. Mm-hmm. Um, is where we kind of got to end up at, at at the end of the day. Um, nevertheless, I, I just kind of want to read First John one uh, in verse starting in verse five to kind of close it out because this is where I think hopefully everybody's trust kind of lands at the end of the day when when we consider hell and and mm-hmm. judgment. It says, "This is the message. This is the Apostle John speaking. For those who may not know, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all." If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm. At the end of the day, I think there is, to defend C.S. Lewis a little bit, there's an element of truth in what he says. I don't think anybody that goes to hell doesn't deserve to be there according to God's righteous judgments. Um, they have died in their own choices and their own sin and they have locked themselves in there to use kind of Lewis's um, wording I guess to say Um, Mm -hmm. nevertheless God is sovereign even over hell I think we would all agree Um, Mm -hmm. but there is no darkness in God he's only light he only does right he only is righteous he only is he is the only perfection of the character trait of love. He is love himself, as John goes on to say in the same letter. Um, mm-hmm. That is where our trust ultimately has to lie at the end of the day, and that God will do right um, at the end of it all. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Mm. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Triclinium. Um, if you have any questions, or comments about this episode, or if you have a topic to suggest, go ahead and email sophomorosofficial at gmail.com, which is S-O-P-H-O-M-O-R-O-S official, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. Um, And uh, as always, may Christ be exalted.